It doesn't get old. It is not a dead hope. It's a living hope. And Jesus Christ is still, he's still rolling stones. So I want to just take a few moments. If you would open up in your Bible quickly. I don't have a lot of time. I'm just going to put a mint in my mouth. And as soon as that mint dissolves, I'll be finished. That usually takes 15, 20 minutes. You better hope I don't put a button in my mouth by accident. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. John chapter 11. I want to just speak to you for a few moments about coming alive again. Coming alive again. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Turn over to John chapter 14, verse 19. Jesus told his disciples, because I live, you will live also. On this Easter Sunday, I want to talk to you about coming alive again. Easter just think of the Easter season itself in the natural realm. It is a picture of the new life as God's creation springs back to life again. Plants, trees, flowers begin to bud and blossom again. That which seemed dead and barren comes back to life again. And you know what? It is true with you and I spiritually today. Easter is about new life. Easter is about abundant life. Easter is about resurrection life. It is about Jesus still rolling stones. We heard it sung this morning, God is still rolling stones away from graves, away from tombs, away from those things that tried to destroy your life. According to the Apostle Peter, the resurrection is a living hope, not a dead hope. It's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. According to Paul the Apostle, it is the central, indispensable, and non-negotiable part of the gospel. Paul authoritatively declares, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Why is it so critical? Grace, this historical account of the triumphant and glorious resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, because the Bible speaks of the spiritual condition of all of mankind. The rich, the famous, the influential, the great, the small, and everyone in between. All according to the scriptures. If you would turn with me to Ephesians. Take a, a right turn from John 
a few, few turns and you'll be there. Ephesians chapter two. The Bible says this in verse one. And he, in you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible tells us that we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. That is the judgment, that is the indictment, that is the assessment of all of humanity. All seven billion or so people on planet Earth, they are all, we are all dead in our trespasses and in our sins. That means we are spiritually dead apart from Jesus Christ. The Bible declares that we have reaped the consequences of our sins. And that consequence or the result of our sins is death. What does that mean? It means spiritual separation from God who is the source of all true life. Spiritual separation from the source of all true life. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's holy standards. The Bible tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. From the very beginning of God's creation of man and woman in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, God had warned them that when they would disobey and they would eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as they would disobey and rebel against God, God says, as when you eat of that tree, you will die. They rebelled, they disobeyed, they chose their own way. And instead of God's way. And they ate, and the Bible says they died spiritually. They began to die in their relationship with God. They began to experience a disconnect from their creator. And that is the condition of mankind to today. Because of sin, there's been a disconnect. There's been a breakdown. No longer enjoying life. No longer fully enjoying the goodness and the grace of God because of man's rebellion and sin. And when God would, would, would reach out to Adam and Eve and, and want to enjoy that uh, a fellowship, that intimacy, that closeness again, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve, they hid from the presence of God. And you know what? That is still the spiritual situation of people today. People are still hiding from Almighty God. They are still running from God. They are still hiding and trying their best to, to uh, find relief from this, this disconnect. They're running and hiding in all different ways. There's the idolatrous pull of this world of money and material things, dead religious rituals. But the good news is that even in mankind's running and hiding, God's love and mercy unrelentlessly still pursues and reaches out to mankind. We see this back all the way at the beginning. Even when Adam and Eve were hiding, God calls out and says, Adam, where are you? How many of you know God knows everything? So when God asks a question, he's not looking for information. He's not looking for understanding. What he's looking for is confession. 
What he's looking for is acknowledgement. Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding? Why are you hiding and running from me? And God in his love and his mercy is calling and pleading with Adam, with Eve. He's calling and he's pleading with you and I. The Bible tells us that we're dead in our trespasses and sin. You see, sin, no matter how subtle, no matter how nice it appears, ultimately brings death. It brings separation. Sin brings a spiritual disconnect with the, from the true source of life, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. But look what the scriptures say in Ephesians chapter 2. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he's raised us up together and made us all sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at the terminology. Look at the, the great promises that God gives to you and I this morning. Verse 1, the Bible said he made us alive. Verse 5 said, he made us alive together with Christ. Verse 6 says, he raised us up together and made us alive again. What a truth. What a powerful reality. Something that we lose sight of. Something that we can even take for granted as Christians. That on an Easter Sunday, we could just go through the motions and lose sight of the fact and the reality that we are alive in Christ. That resurrection life flows through our mortal bodies. That Jesus Christ is alive and that God is still rolling stones. Hallelujah. A friend of mine told me this story. It's a true story. He and a co-worker... We're working downtown, downtown Providence many years ago doing uh, construction work on a building on a Saturday morning. And as they began their work, they heard a cry for help from an alleyway. A man was desperately pleading, help me, help me. And his cry was coming from a dumpster. As they opened up the dumpster cover, and they lifted the man out of the garbage container. They were confronted by a man who was covered in blood, who had been beaten, robbed, and apparently left for dead. To their surprise and their amazement, once they helped the man out of the dumpster, he got out, even though he was bloodied, even though he had been beaten up, even though he had been robbed, he basically dusted himself off, and the man was overjoyed to have survived that harrowing, harrowing ordeal the night before. That he jumped out and he began to pump his fist and he says, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. He was so overjoyed to have survived and to have been alive that morning that he could do nothing but rejoice. You know what, this morning you and I should be pumping our fists, saying I'm forgiven, 
I'm forgiven. I'm alive. I'm alive for eternity. I'm alive forevermore because Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. I'm alive. I'm alive. You see, we have these certain steadfast, powerful truths in an uncertain world, in a changing world. We need to have our faith encouraged by what Jesus Christ himself has said. We have to listen to the word of God, even if it means turning off the TV, even if it means blocking some social media feeds, because we need to feed our faith and not feed our fears. We need to know that Jesus is not only alive, but he's alive in us, and we are alive, and we live and rule and reign with him in this life and in the one to come. Can you say amen? amen. What we've learned in the last year, that life is so unpredictable, and it's so unmanageable. I don't know if there are any control freaks out there, but you were messed with this year because you couldn't control anything. And the truth of the matter is, life is just like that anyway. We were just acutely and, and, and so uh, powerfully made aware of that in this past year. But life is very unmanageable. If you have kids, you realize that. I was reading about Charlie Shedd, an author, and he, he wrote before he had kids... He used to travel across the country teaching a lecture, and he called it Ten Commandments for Raising Perfect Kids. After he and his wife had their first child, he changed the title to Ten Hints for Parents. <laughs> After their second child, he relabeled the lecture A Few Tentative Suggestions for Fellow Strugglers. He said after the, the arrival of their third child, he gave up speaking on the topic altogether. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> you see, maturity in life is realizing that you can't control everything in your life. And that's hard to realize that you have to learn how to trust in Almighty God. You have to learn in life that he holds the future. And with that, there is a faith, there is a trust, there is a surrender. See, when you and I feel out of control or we feel helpless and overwhelmed, we need to understand this morning, he's still rolling stones. We have to understand there's still healing for our lives. Jesus, before he went to the cross, they took him to a whipping post. And the Bible says that he was whipped. And he was brutally whipped with a cat of nine tails. This was not just a, a leather whip. This was a whip that had nine, on each strand had nine further strands of metal and glass. And when those, those whips would go into the back of Jesus, when they would be pulled back, they would pull back flesh and, and blood, and his back was brutalized. But you know what the Bible says? In Isaiah 53, he was wounded 
for your transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes, by his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. You have to understand that this morning, Jesus didn't only die on the cross to save your soul. He died on the cross to heal your mind, to heal your heart, to heal your body, to heal your spirit, because by his stripes, we are healed. A living in a world of, 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 of overwhelming stress and anxiety and in our minds. And I don't know if any of you have battle in your minds, but, but, but if, you, if you don't, you, you will. Because we all do. There's a spiritual battle raging and, and there's the lying spirits. And I have just learned more and more I have to, I have to fight for the victory every day. I can't just lay down and think things are going to go smoothly for me. Well, you say, pastor, you're a pastor. That doesn't mean anything. But I have to fight for the victory. I've got the victory, but I have to get into that mindset that I do have the victory. That I've got to walk in the victory. I've got to talk in the victory. I've got to act in the victory. You see, this morning, you and I battle... And, and, and emotionally, and, and, and people battle with low self-esteem. They battle with ins insecurities. I, I was reading of some of a person this week, their whole life is just bound they, they, with a sense of unworthiness, and they can't fully function because they feel like they don't measure up. And, and I feel for a person like that, uh, but I, they... they God in, in his word gives us an understanding that, that he's given us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God's given us a sound mind. It has been said that New Year's resolutions last two weeks. But I want you to understand this morning, God's change is more lasting. 40 years ago, 40 years ago at the age of 17, I committed my life to Jesus Christ. I know you're doing the math and you can't believe I'm 57 years old. You said, surely he's got the math wrong. No, it was 40 years ago. And you know what? There was a lot of changes in my life, big changes. And my family thought it was a passing fad. That just something I was into at that age, that it won't last. But it has been 40 years. Why? Not because of my willpower, but because of God's power. Because of God's grace. I close with, with just reading these scriptures and praying with you this morning. But God, who is rich in mercy... Ephesians 2, verse 4. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together. We've been raised. Come on. Jesus' death was our death. We died with him, the Bible says. Jesus rose from the dead. We rose from the dead. The Bible says we, rose, we raised to walk in newness of life. We've been raised up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ. You know where you're seated? You're not seated in a seat at Victory Church. It doesn't matter where you sit here. It's where you sit up there. 
Come on, we've been raised to sit in heavenly places. That's our position. That's, that's the place we do warfare from. That's the place we, we, we stand in victory knowing that we've overcome because of the grace of God. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Think about that. In the ages to come, for all of eternity, our lives are going to be a display of the grace and the kindness of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This morning you could be made new. This morning you could come alive again. This morning you could pump your fists in joy and in expectation and say, I'm alive again. I'm alive again. And I mean spiritually you can say that by the grace of God. It's by grace that you and I are saved through faith. Just believing this morning. Do you believe, Jesus said to, the, to, to Mary and Martha, said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in, him, though he, believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? That is a critical thing this morning because I realize there are people here this morning that are sitting here, they're hearing it, they heard it over and over and over again, but they'll leave this place and not fully believe it. What does it mean to fully believe? It doesn't just say, I believe, or, or even come into an altar and say in a prayer. It means you commit yourself to, you entrust your life to the teachings of the scriptures, and you live out and you walk out the truth of the word of God. There's a commitment. There's a laying down of your life. There's a dying to self. There's a going against the grain. You know what? Being a Christian is the easiest thing, and it's the hardest thing. Hello? It's the easiest thing because Jesus paid it all. He did it all. You just receive his grace. You receive forgiveness for every sin you committed. You receive eternal life. It's the easiest thing to do. It's simple, yet it's the hardest thing. Why is it hard? Because when you take a stand for Jesus Christ, you begin to go against the grain. You are not living according to the course of this world, the ways of this world. You don't live according to what you pleases you. You begin to live for what pleases God. So it's hard. It ain't easy. I don't have the strength. You don't have. The, how can I do this for 40 years? I can't. It's through God's grace. It's through his mercy. How can you live a holy life? How can you live a godly life? How can you live a Christian life? You can't in your own strength. But when you have the power of the resurrected Savior in you, the Bible says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens your mortal body. Jesus is alive in you, and this morning you can be alive in Christ simply by faith. Would you stand together with me this morning? My desire is that each and every one of you would be able to say, I'm alive. I'm alive again. Jesus wants to fill you today. Jesus wants to touch you today. But it's through faith, truly believing his word today. Faith, someone said as an acrostic, forsaking all, I take him. The word faith. Forsaking all, I take him. There is salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. 
There is no other way to eternal life but through Christ. But it's a narrow road, the Bible says, and, and, and Jesus says, strive to enter that narrow gate. For wide and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Jesus came and died to bridge the gap so that you and I could walk on a narrow road to eternity. This morning, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, just want to pray before we leave, before we close. The only way you could have eternal life, the only way you can be alive again is through Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Someone has said, well, I don't know about eternity. You know, no one's gone and come back. Oh, yes, someone has. And his name is Jesus Christ. Three days later, he came back from the grave. And he said, because I live, you will live also. But there's a choice to make. There were people who denied he was raised from the dead. There were people who lied about it. There were people who made up stories about it. There were people who stubbornly refused to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Or they did believe, but they didn't like the implications of it. They didn't like the fact that he made claims of deity and made claims of absolute ownership of the universe and of mankind. They didn't like his narrow statements that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But you know what? He had the authority to say those things because he's the only one who said, destroy this temple in three days and I will raise it up. Speaking of his body. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. Only the Son of the living God could say that and fulfill those words. So he does have absolute authority over all things. The question is this morning, will you surrender your will? Will you surrender your heart? Will you put your faith in Christ? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, and with the heart one believes unto righteousness. The Bible says God is rich in mercy on all who call upon him. So this morning as eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I just want to ask you this morning if, if you would just be honest enough and, and, and sincere in faith believing and say, I am dead in my sins, but I want to be alive in Christ today. Would you quickly raise your hand? God sees your hand. This could be a moment of reckoning. God bless you. God bless you. This could be a moment of changed life. For me, it was July 29th, 1981, that I committed my life to Jesus Christ, repented of my sins, and followed him in discipleship. God bless you. Anyone else would raise their hand and say, I want to put my faith in Christ. I want to repent of my sins quickly. This is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. God bless you. God bless you. God sees every hand. God knows every heart. And God's grace and mercy is reaching out to you. His blood is cleansing you right now. I want, you, I want everyone to pray this in unison. And if you really believe it and mean it in your heart, I believe God will begin the work of changing your life. And then there are other steps that we could help you with and, and share with. But, but let this be the beginning. Would you repeat this prayer? Dear God, 
I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And that he rose again on the third day. That he died for my sins. I confess my sins this morning. I ask God to forgive me. I repent. I turn to God this morning. By his grace, I'm a new person. My life has changed. I'm alive again. I'll no longer be the same. Today I have decided I will follow Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, come on, everyone, lift your hands. I want to pray over you on this great Easter Sunday. Some of you prayed that prayer for the first time. Some of you as Christians, you're, you're in a tomb, you're in a, a cave, and, and, and I want you to know that Jesus is still rolling stones. God is still delivering. God is still giving breakthroughs. God is still breaking things off of people's lives that the enemy's trying to use to destroy you. So I want to pray with you right now. Let the faith of God well up. Believe God today. Believe his promises today. And God will do great things. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the sense of your presence in this place. God, I thank you for every person here. God, I know that you love them and you have a plan and a purpose for their life. God, let them not leave here without surrendering to you, without trusting in you. God, I know that you desire for them to rest in you. God, I pray that they would have that faith and trust today. That today, you would roll away the stone. Today, they would be able to say that they are alive again. Truly alive. Connected to the, the life giver. Connected to the creator of the universe. Connected to our heavenly Father. God, thank you for every life here today. Bless each one. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace.